Welcome back to Surviving Art. Here we explore the world of art from economics and simple tips on equipment to surviving the existential dread that is the art world and summer without air conditioning. My name is Matej Tomajin and today we're going to talk about the art market. The art market can be divided into roughly five segments. The direct market, primary beta market, primary alpha market, secondary alpha market and the auction market. In today's video we will be looking at the first two, the direct market and the primary beta market. So watch out for the next one as this is a two-parter. To go through the labyrinth that is the art market, we will run a simulation in which we will be placing Rachel, a fresh MA graduate who is just starting off a career in the arts. In the beginning of her journey, her art is worth, well, zero. Such a price point normally does not work for Rachel, so she decides to enter the direct market to establish a base price for her work. She sets the price at 100 euro plus expenses for a 50 x 70 centimeter impressionist painting of a figure. She opens a few accounts on various online galleries like Saatchi Art and Fine Art America, but after a while she does come to the bitter conclusion that there are gazillions of other artists on such web places and her chances of being noticed solely because of someone searching for works similar to her own are slim to none. She therefore leaves her profile on these web pages but does not bother too much with them and only sets a weekly review email for both so as to see if there was any activity on the profiles. Rachel soon finds that the best way to start is to get in touch with people from her local city as there is much less competition for artistic work there than there is on the world wide web. She starts talking and inquiring about any potential work with her friends and family. Luckily for her, a friend of a friend is getting his child christened and because of high interest for impressionist work, similar to her own style, she does manage to sell one to the semi-wealthy friend's family. A portrait of a child, that is. And eventually she sells a few other paintings. She also manages to exhibit one of her works as part of a group exhibition. And after her first gallery opening, decides to pursue her wish to become involved in the primary beta market. At this point, she feels that she is good enough to become a real artist with exhibitions and the like. This marketplace is crowded with low status galleries, none of them really having any real influence on the art market apart from the immediate local area where Rachel resides. The primary goal of such galleries is to sell their works to buyers who make decisions solely on subjective evaluations of aesthetics of the works in question. They don't care about the investment potential or just don't really understand the inner workings of such investments and as such mostly fail to spot the real opportunities for investments in art. The prices in this segment are fairly low compared to higher segments on the market that is. Here the artists will set a price similar to other artists in this segment and the price will also be based upon the particular motif, size, material and cost of each work. 
For now, Rachel demands 200 euro plus expenses for similar works as she has been doing before. And our hypothetical artist is again in luck. As the demand for impressionist paintings is still quite high, a gallerist from Gallery B is introduced to her by a friend already under his wings. She arranges a studio visit with the gallerist and he, after seeing her work, decides to exhibit it in his gallery. One work is soon sold to a nice couple, because the painting in question is in the exact blue tones as their designer couch. They acquire it to fill the empty wall space behind it with something interesting. They are compelled into the purchase also by the idea of their personal contribution to a poor intellectual artist's career, a look that Rachel more than embodies. This is important as the runner-up was a really neatly made printed copy of Sam Kandinsky's painting from IKEA for around 49 euro. But in the end, the idea of a patron of the arts sways their decision and they reach a bit deeper into their pockets. Because the couple, now happy with their decorative investment, has quite a few like-minded friends who, of course, wish or maybe need to compete with the couple's patronage, three other paintings from Rachel sell in the following two months. And she now feels that the demand for her work has risen quite a bit, thus decides to raise her base price to 300 euro plus expenses. Keep in mind though that from the total sum, the owner of the gallery B receives 50% because Rachel, who lives in Slovenia, hasn't really reached the required number of exhibitions needed to apply for the status of self-employed creative, a status that may be similarly replicated, similarly, similarly, bleh. As far as for Slovenia, currently one needs at least six groups of exhibitions or two solo exhibitions and a few good critiques in the papers coupled with a few media coverages of his or her work. Though the reality is even if you have 30 exhibitions, you are not automatically eligible for this status and many are rejected only due to the conservation of funds at the Ministry of Culture. So Rachel also has to pay taxes and that is 25% taxes on her share, coupled with a 7 euro coupon for contributing to social security and the pension fund. Rachel is now left with 105.5 euro under the current law and regulations in Slovenia. Also, I do have to add that there is quite a simulation going on here as Rachel probably wouldn't have sold the free works in question in real life anyway, as she is by far not the only artist being showcased in Gallery B. Also, the possibility of the couple's friends going into the gallery and buying the same artist as the couple is a fantastical one at best, as we have to understand that the idea of owning more or less the same furniture as our neighbor is out of the question for any good neighborly competition. And this is true for wall furniture as much as it is true for the more common floor variety. And in this segment of the art market, well, works of art are more or less furniture for the walls. But to functionally continue our simulation, our artist Rachel will have sold her works nonetheless. And Rachel is again in luck, as a gallerist from Gallery A is an acquaintance of one of her customers. And when she sees Rachel's work 
and hears about the others who also bought her paintings, she decides to have a talk with Rachel in her studio. And this is where we break off from our story for today. We will continue this in the next video, I promise, but I feel it's better to portion these things out into more videos rather than just bombard all of you with half an hour talking head videos that don't even involve David Byron. So, thanks again for watching and keep on fighting that existential dread and I'll see you next time on Surviving Art. The Art Market, Part 1 Hi, it's Matei and this is Surviving Art. Let's talk about the art market. The art market can be divided into roughly five segments. One, the direct market. Two, the primary beta market. Then the primary alpha market. The secondary alpha market. And the auction market. Today, we will be looking at the first two. The direct market and the primary beta market. So, watch out for the next podcast as this is a two-parter. To go through the labyrinth that is the art market, we will run a simulation in which we will be placing Rachel, a fresh MA graduate who is just starting out her career in the arts. In the beginning of her journey, her art is worth roughly zero. Such a price point normally does not work for Rachel, so she decides to enter the direct market to establish a base price for her work. She sets the price at 100 euro plus expenses for a 50 times 70 centimeter impressionist painting of a figure. She opens a few accounts on various online galleries like Saatchi Art and Fine Art America, but after a while she does come to the bitter conclusion that there are gazillions of other artists on such web places and her chances of being noticed solely because of someone searching for works similar to her own are slim to none. She therefore leaves her profile on these pages but does not bother too much with them and only sets a weekly review email for both so as to see if there's any activity on her profile. Rachel soon finds that the best way to start is to get in touch with people from her local city as there is much less competition for artistic work there than there is on the World Wide Web. She starts, talking, she starts talking and inquiring about any potential work with her friends and family. As luck has it, a friend of a friend is getting his child christened, and because of a high interest for Impressionist works, similar to her own style, she does manage to sell one to the semi-wealthy friend's family, a portrait of the child and eventually she sells a few other paintings, solely because of the aesthetic look of her work. She also manages to exhibit one of her works as part of a group exhibition, and after her first gallery opening decides to pursue her wish to become involved in the primary beta market. At this point, she feels she is good enough to become a real artist with exhibitions and the like. This marketplace is crowded with low-status galleries, none of them having any real influence on the art market apart from the immediate location where Rachel resides. 
The primary goal of such galleries is to sell their work to buyers who make decisions solely on subjective evaluations of the aesthetics of the work in question. They don't care about the investment potential or just don't really understand the inner workings of such investments, and as such mostly fail to spot real opportunities for investments in art. The prices in this segment are fairly low too, compared to higher segments of the market that is. Here, the artist will set a price similar to other artists in the segment, and the price will also be based upon the particular motif, size and material cost of each work. For now, Rachel demands 200 euro plus expenses for similar works as she has been doing before, so it is a price increase of exactly 100%. One work is soon sold to a nice couple because the painting in question is the exact blue tone as their designer couch. They acquire it to fill the empty wall space behind it with something interesting. They are also compelled into the purchase by the idea of their personal contribution to our poor intellectual artist's career, a look that Rachel more than embodies. This is important, as the runner-up was a really neatly made printed copy of some Kandinsky's painting from Ikea for around 49 euro, but in the end the idea of being a patron to the arts sways their decision and they reach a bit deeper into their pockets. Because the couple, now happy with their decorative investment, has quite a few like-minded friends who of course wish, or maybe need to compete with the couple's patronage, three other paintings from Rachel sell in the following months, and she now feels that the demand for her work has risen quite a bit, thus decides to raise her base price to 300 euro plus expenses, another 100% raise compared to her base price. Keep in mind that far from the total sum, the owner of Gallery B receives 50% and, because Rachel, who lives in Slovenia, hasn't reached the required number of exhibitions needed to apply for the status of self-employed creative, a status that may be similarly replicated in other countries you may be residing in, as for Slovenia, currently one needs at least six group exhibitions or two solo exhibitions and a few good critiques in the papers, coupled with a few media coverages of his or her work. Through the, though the reality is that even if you have 30 exhibitions, you are not automatically eligible for this status and many are rejected due only to the conservation of funds at the Ministry of Culture. Well, Rachel has to pay a 25% tax on her share and a 7 euro coupon, as a contribution for social security and the pension fund. Rachel is now left with 105.5 euro under the current law and regulations in Slovenia. Also, I do have to add here that this is quite the simulation, as Rachel would probably not have sold the three works in question in real life as she is by far not the only artist being showcased in Gallery B. Also, the possibility of all the couple's friends going into the same gallery and buying the same artist as the couple is a fantastical one, as we have to understand that the idea of owning more or less the same furniture as our neighbour is out of the question for any good neighbourly competition. And this is true for wall furniture, as it is true for the more common floor variety. And in this segment of the market, works of art are more or less furniture for the walls. But to functionally continue our simulation, 
our artist Rachel will have sold her works nonetheless. And Rachel is again in luck, as a gallerist from Gallery A is an acquaintance of one of her customers, and when she sees Rachel's work and hears about the others who also bought her paintings, she decides to have a little talk with Rachel in a studio. And this is where we stop for today, and we'll continue the story tomorrow and finish with the other free segments of the art market. So, thanks for listening, see you next time on Surviving Art. Surviving Art